Okay, uh, good morning, church. Uh, third service, I usually attend the first and second service. So some of you may not have seen this bloke here. Yeah, okay. So I usually attend first and uh, second service. So if you do not know me, I'm Jeffrey Chua. Uh, I became a pastor officially in September of last year. Uh, I'm a district pastor overseeing uh, 35 cells. Uh, I'm also the pastor in charge of the blessed ministry, a man of valor, as well as communion men. Okay, so uh, when I came on board, some people asked me, uh, Pastor Jeffrey, do you aspire to be SP? Then I told them, of course. And when they heard me, well, their eyes were like, well, you know, extra big and they were like taken back. Well, this bloke wants to be SP. But I told them, relax, SP means singing pastor, not senior pastor. <laughs> so what I'm going to do before I preach would be I'll be singing you a song, okay? <clears throat> and this song is related to the theme of our church and the focus of our church this year, which is Make Me a Disciple. So what's the theme of uh, SIBKL this year? Okay, together we follow Jesus and the focus is on discipleship. So uh, this song is related to the message and what better song to sing than Make Me a Disciple. Yeah, let's hit it. I've wandered through this Christian life Like a ship without a sail I've trudged through desert wasteland And my strength begins to fail No cloudy pillar guides by day No fiery pillar lights my way Where is the promised land With flowing streams of milk and honey I tried to find the remedy, an answer of some kind. I even gave a little more to buy my peace of mind. It took a while for me to see the simple truth what blinded me. That what you really want from me is me and not my money. Make me a disciple, let me follow in your steps. Lead me with your right hand, guide me far from Satan's traps. Teach me true obedience, to remain faithful and true. Make me a disciple, that can make disciples too. So fill me with your spirit, let the living waters flow To bear fruit in abundance, let the light within me glow I'll teach some other to obey what you've commanded me today And let my life abide within your love constantly Disciple, let me follow in your steps. Lead me with your right hand, guide me far from Satan's trap. Teach me true obedience to remain faithful and true. Make me a disciple that can make disciples too. I've come to know disciples are not born in any land But made to grow each moment fashioned by the Master's hand Make me a disciple, let me follow in your steps Lead me with your right hand, guide me far from Satan's stress. 
disciple that can make disciples too. Oh yes, let me follow in your steps. Lead me with your right hand, guide me far from Satan's trap. Teach me true obedience to remain faithful and true. Make me a disciple that can make disciples too. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that truly, Lord, you have sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was obedient unto death, even death on the cross. We thank you, Lord, that truly you have given our church this theme that is together we want to follow your son, Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that truly, even as we follow Jesus, May you truly make us a disciple who can make disciples too, Lord. So we thank you and we pray, Lord, that even as I submit myself to your spirit, that you will use me as your, as your mouthpiece, Lord, to bring forth your message. And I pray, Lord, that your message will go forth and fulfill its purpose that is being sent forth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, how many of you has got the Lent booklet? Okay, um, the Holy Spirit's timing is simply perfect. If you look at the Lent reading uh, of March 9th, which is yesterday, it is actually on Matthew chapter 3. So, I mean, we didn't pack up with the Holy Spirit and neither did uh, Pastor Chiu pack up with me and you preach on uh, Matthew chapter 3. And I tell you, when I look at the reading for the Lenten, it is right smack on Matthew chapter 3. I was like, wow. You know, the, the Spirit's timing is simply perfect. Okay, so uh, what I'm going to preach today is taking the plunge. Okay, and it is about the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read scripture together in Matthew chapter 3. Okay, are you ready? Let's read scripture together. Matthew chapter 3 is on the screen and I like the NKJV version. Okay, one, two, three. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Thank you. So, what I'm going to do for this message is, it's going to be broken into five parts, which is, the first part is on general comments. The second is, why John the Baptist? Uh, yesterday and this morning, Pastor Chu uh, shared about John the Baptist. So listen to his message. Yeah, then you will get uh, the continuation from where he left off. And today I will continue on John's baptism and why Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Okay, and the third point is why was Jesus baptized? Fourth is the act of Jesus' baptism. What is its significance? And lastly, what is our response? Okay, so. Next slide. I don't have the clicker, sorry. No, it's okay. Okay, if you look at this map, okay, uh, where is Galilee? Galilee is right on the north, okay? And when John the Baptist started uh, baptizing people, it is somewhere in the middle of the Jordan River, 
and for Jesus to come to be baptized by John the Baptist, he has to walk 50 kilometers, okay, to be baptized by John the Baptist. How many of us, you know, uh, our baptism pool is in SMCC, we ask you to be baptized, so you, you need to think and think and think and think. Okay, so Galilee is here, and Jesus got to walk 50 kilometers to somewhere to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. So imagine Jesus walk all the way. In those days, you don't have BMWs, you don't have whatever, you know. He walked, yeah. And in Galilee, what's it about Galilee and the Galileans? 700 years before Christ, the Assyrians attacked that portion up there and took away the Jews to Assyria. So when the, when the Jews were in Assyria, the Gentiles and the people who were staying in that area, they occupied Galilee. And that's why it is also called uh, Galilee of the Gentiles. Sometimes it's called Galilee of the Gentiles because it's being occupied by the Gentiles. And John records Philip asking, can anything good come out of Nazareth in John chapter 146? And they look down as Galileans, as uneducated and of questionable ancestry. Okay, and being a Galilean in Isaiah 53 verse 3, Jesus was despised and we held him in low esteem. So this was the Messiah that they were looking for. He came from a little town in Nazareth, of Nazareth in Galilee. So, what was their expectation of this coming Messiah, this coming King? So, Jesus coming from Galilee did not meet up to the Jews' great expectation that Messiah's pedigree should be kingly and majestic. You remember Pastor Fergus' message on great expectations? So, they were expecting the Messiah to come to deliver them from the Roman rule, from the uh, sufferings that they were going through, but yet Jesus came from a little town of Nazareth in Galilee. So what is the lesson for us? The fact that Jesus lived and ministered in Galilee is yet another example of his identification with those the world rejects. He came to seek and to save the lost, both during his time on earth and still today. So those who follow his example will likewise proclaim his message and live out his teachings among cultures, outcasts, and minister to the least of these. When I first came on board, uh, one of the many questions which people ask me is, what theological background do I have? So when I told them I spent three and a half years in Tongling Seminary, some of them look at me at a blank face. What's Dongling, you know? So, you know, they heard of Oxford, they heard of Ravi Zacharias, they heard of Regent College, you know? But what is Dongling Seminary, you know? So, Dongling uh, Seminary is run by Full Gospel Tabernacle, okay? So, I did a pastoral internship program three and a half years there. So, so my point is, when we look at ministers of God, and those who are in full-time ministry, do we look at what pedigree they are from? What degree do they have? Uh, do they come from a poor background? What background do they have? Or do we just take them as being ordained by God to be ministers of Jesus Christ? So even for Jesus, he lived among the poor. He could have been born in a palace, he could have been born in Jerusalem, I mean, in, 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 he could have lived in Jerusalem, in, in the capital, but he chose to live in Nazareth, a small town. So, so when I took over uh, Blast Ministry, uh, a couple of my staff, you know, uh, they were also like wondering, you know, do I have a heart of compassion uh, for the marginalized uh, for the Yanmaris students, you know, because 
when you come from the corporate world and people see you as coming from the corporate world, they, they tend to have fit you into a mold in their mind already. And uh, to, to add to it, uh, I have a nickname called Tiger Jeff, you know, because I work in Maybank. So they always see me as somebody who's fierce, you know. And until today, Pastor John is afraid of me. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, so, so why do we have this kind of uh, set mind? You know, and, and, and this, I mean, we, we tend to put people in a mold. And even for the Jews, you know, when they were looking for the coming Messiah, they were looking for somebody who will come to be as a king, as a conqueror, somebody who will deliver them. It is really out of their mind in, in the sense that it, it never crossed their mind that Jesus would come and live among them and have such humble beginnings. Yeah? So, so the lesson for us is don't judge the book by its cover yeah? and, and just live a humble and authentic life. Yeah? Okay, so the next point. Okay, why John the Baptist? Okay, why, why, why is it John the Baptist is the one who baptized Jesus? Why can't it be any other people? Yeah, so uh, these are the facts and figures of John the Baptist. He was prophesied by the Old Testament prophets, uh, Isaiah and Malachi, as the forerunner and the preparer for Messiah's coming. So John's entrance into the world was marked by angelic uh, proclamation and divine intervention. You can read about it in Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 57 to 80. And his name, John, means uh, God's gift, or in the Hebrew, is Jehovah is gracious. Yeah? So the, his name is given uh, even by the angel. Uh, Zechariah has got to name him John, which means Jehovah is gracious. So he was born to priestly Jewish aged parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth, who is related to Jesus' uh, mother Mary. Okay, and uh, he lived a life of abstinence as proclaimed by the angel. Uh, he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his conception. So when Mary visited Elizabeth, uh, the baby uh, inside her womb, that is, John the Baptist was like leaping in joy and uh, Elizabeth said, I can feel the baby move, you know, in joy, you know, because the Holy Spirit resonated with uh, Mary who is conceiving Jesus, yeah? So, uh, even from conception, he was already filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the spirit of Elijah, he preached a message of repentance and baptism, but proclaim of one who is mightier, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So this is John the Baptist. He is from the Levitical priesthood. He could have lived comfortably with his parents, but where did he chose to live his life? He was living in the Judean wilderness or the desert and his favorite food was locusts and wild honey how many of you have eaten locusts before nobody nobody has been to vietnam or thailand okay okay so imagine the conversation be between elizabeth and mary and elizabeth asked mary how is your son and mary can only say he's perfect you know and when Mary asked Elizabeth, how is John? Oh, he's somewhere out there in the wilderness. Oh, what is his favorite food? It's locusts and wild honey, you know? So imagine this kind of conversations between these two relatives. And this is John the Baptist. You know, he, 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 he lived uh, in the Judean desert. And the next slide, why is it that it is John the Baptist who would, who would be the one to baptize Jesus? Okay, three main reasons. Okay, John's baptism was to provide an occasion for the Jewish people to confess their sins and repent 
and get right with God. So he was bringing into being a people of God for the coming Messiah, and that is people are brought into being with an identity not linked to their Jewishness, but with their repentance. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, so if you, if you read Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, this is what uh, John the Baptist says to them. Do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they are so proud of their Jewish uh, roots. But John is saying, you brood of wipers, you know, who asked you to flee from the coming wrath? And God really hates religiosity, yeah? And the Pharisees, I mean, to me, I mean, in a joking manner, why they're called Pharisees? Because they always stand afar, far I see, you know. They always stand far, I'm holier than thou, you know, so far I see. So they are called Sadducees, I mean Pharisees. And the Sadducees, they are so sad, you see. Yeah, because they do not believe in the resurrection. They do not believe in angels. Yeah, so they are so sad, you see. So the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this bunch of people uh, are the ones who are like holier than thou. You know, I won't come near you. Why must I be baptized by John the Baptist? They were just standing by the river Jordan looking at what John was doing, but they will never ever be baptized by John the Baptist. So the third reason why uh, John is the one who is going to baptize Jesus is John was in the line of the Levitical priesthood as his parents are from the priestly line. So it is significant that it is John the Baptist who will baptize Jesus for the inauguration of our great high priest Jesus and the king of the Jews. Okay, so these are the three main reasons uh, why it was John the Baptist who's the one who will baptize Jesus. So what is the application to us? John was totally sold out in fulfilling his mission as the forerunner and prepare for the Messiah's coming. So what about us? Would we be faithful like John, even if it meant a long period of obscurity and preparation in the wilderness? There is a time and a season for everything. Right now, you may be going through a time of preparation. You may be going through a period of obscurity where nobody notice you but if you remain faithful to your calling God will bring forth your prophetic destiny each one of us has got a prophetic destiny in our lives so will we remain as faithful like John the Baptist who could have a very comfortable life living with his parents because they were Levitical priests but instead he chose to live a life in the wilderness, preparing the way for the coming Messiah. So that is the lesson for us that we can take from John the Baptist. Okay, so let's move on. So why was Jesus baptized? And we read in uh, the earlier verses, you know, if you read the whole chapter of uh, chapter 3, when Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist, John the Baptist said, I need to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me to be baptized? Okay, and the answer is right there in verse 15. Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So this answer can be broken up into three parts, which I would uh, emphasize in, in more detail. Okay, the first one is now. When is now? In Luke chapter 3, verse 23, now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. So John the Baptist was just about six months older than Jesus and was baptizing for the repentance of sin before Jesus came to him 
to be baptized. So the age of inauguration of a priest, if you read in Numbers chapter 4, verse 3, is 30 years old. So to be inaugurated as a priest, it is 30 years old. And Jesus came to be baptized, to be inaugurated as a, our great high priest at that age when he came to John to be baptized. So that is the age of the inauguration of a priest, and he began his ministry. So how many of us here are 30 years old this year? Anyone? Nobody wants to own up. Okay. <laughs> how many of you are above 30 years old? Ah, many of you. Okay, so I'm speaking to a mature crowd. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you are all priests in your own right. Do you know that? You are all priests in your own right. In, and in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it says that we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. So all of us are priests in our own right. So start serving the Lord. Start ministering in the house of Lord. And don't wait until you are old, you know. You know, so you cannot see properly, you cannot hear properly, you know, but start serving the Lord because we are all priests in the house of God. Okay? So why was Jesus baptized? The next reason or in that answer is fitting. Okay? The next part is fitting. Why is it fitting that Jesus be baptized? Okay, and the answer is to stand in the place of His people, to work out for them and us a perfect righteousness. He was taking our place and He was working out everything we needed. Now, what do we need? We need a perfect repentance. Have we ever repented perfectly? No. We repent and we repent, we confess and repent, but have we ever or can we ever repent perfectly? The answer is no. And what else do we need? We need a perfect faith. Even the disciples who have spent so much time you know, uh, with the Lord, they always tell the Lord Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. So do we have a perfect faith? We don't. So we need Jesus to work out in us that perfect faith. And do we have a perfect righteousness? We do not have a righteousness. And, 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 and the Bible says that our righteousness are as filthy rags. So we need a perfect righteousness. And only Jesus, the perfect one, could fulfill this. Like in Isaiah 53 verse 11, it says that, by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, it says that the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. None of us in this a sanctuary can ever conform totally to God's law. I remember many years ago, when we first shifted to this building, uh, it was a brand new building, everything was new. And there were so many rules and regulations, and one of them which I remember specifically was, you know, if you look at the wall on, you know, uh, the entrance, or the exit rather, you know, this wall somewhere in the middle is padded, right? So there was this regulation, don't touch the wall, don't leave your finger marks on the wall. And what happened? You know, when people leave the hall, they start touching, you know? Because that is the strength of the law. The strength of the law is sin, yeah? So the more you set rules and regulations, the more people will sin, you know. So, like for example, if I have a private and confidential file, and, you know, I say I'm leaving the room for a while, 
make sure nobody sees this file, you know, it's strictly private and confidential. Then I leave the room for one hour, two hours, three hours. What will happen to the bloke in the room? He will be tempted to take a peep, right? So that is the strength of the law, which none of us can ever fulfill or keep. Yeah? So we really need Jesus, the perfect one, yeah, who could fulfill this for us, like in Isaiah 53 verse 1. So next, why was Jesus baptized? Jesus fulfilled all righteousness by identifying himself with sinners in baptism and ultimately death on the cross as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's read Romans 8 verse 3 and 4 together. Okay, are you ready? Romans 8, 3 and 4, 1, 2, 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Hallelujah. So this is truly a very precious verse to all of us that what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. And He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. And this cross which represents Jesus' love for us it is truly His amazing grace. I, I really hate it when people say, well, you know, grace, uh, license to sin, uh, cheap grace. Hello, it was not cheap. It cost our Lord Jesus Christ His very life to die on the cross for you and for me. It is not cheap grace, yeah? And in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says that, For He made Him who know no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Hallelujah. Amen? Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. So Jesus took the plunge to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Okay, let's read this together. One, two, three. Jesus took the plunge to fulfill all righteousness. Amen. In Hebrews 9 verse 22, we read that the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So blood is involved. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did Adam do? He was the first designer in the Bible. You know that? Because he made garments of fig leaves, you know? So he was the first designer, you know? Who can make a, a clothing with fig leaves, you know? So he was the first designer. But was that good enough to cover his shame? Leaf don't have blood, right? So what has blood? Animals has got blood. And what did God make for Adam and Eve, God made with, for them garments of skin. And in order to make garments of skin, what must God do? God has to, got to kill an animal, right? So that's why the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. So God made garments of skin to cover Adam and Eve, not his fig leaves garments, okay? Okay, next. So, the act of Jesus' baptism. What is the significance of Jesus' baptism? Okay, the Bible says that, I mean, for us, the Old Testament is the new conceal, whereas the New Testament is the old review. So, when we look at the act of uh, baptism of uh, Jesus by John the Baptist, we can see pictures of Leviticus 
chapter 16 in Jesus' baptism. So here you see the picture on the Day of Atonement. The priest would have uh, two goats, okay? And one will be the sin offering and one would be the scapegoat. So Aaron the priest shall wash his body in water. So this is like the act of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. And two kids of goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. So in Jesus' case, because he is sinless, there is no need for the burnt or the ram. So the goat on which the Lord's lot fell in Leviticus chapter 16, uh, and it will be offered as a sin offering. So Jesus was both our sin offering because he died on the cross, but he was also our scapegoat. So the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement on it, and it will be let go as a scapegoat into the wilderness. So Jesus is also our scapegoat. And if you, and this is a very good uh, precursor to Matthew chapter 4, that immediately when Jesus was baptized, he was led into the wilderness. So it is like a scapegoat being released into the wilderness. And uh, previously when they uh, led the scapegoat into the wilderness, sometimes because these uh, goats, they were raised by the little children, somehow the scapegoat uh, can make the way back to their home. So in order to make sure the scapegoat never returned back with Israel's sins, sometimes this scapegoat is being thrown off the cliff to make sure that they die. So if you, and, and I tell you, the Bible has got so much details and every detail is significant. There's nothing insignificant in the Bible. And if you read in the Luke's account of uh, Chapter 4, when Jesus went back to Galilee uh, after he was tempted uh, by Satan, uh, he read from Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, I will just read this to you. In Luke 4, verse six, 16, it says, So he came to where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And on hearing that, what did they want to, to do? They wanted to catch hold of Jesus and to throw him off the cliff. It's like the scapegoat that they threw off the cliff. They wanted to throw Jesus off the cliff. And if you are a film producer, this would be one of the best scenes. Jesus just walked right through them, you know. And, and it, it is really a supernatural thing that he walked right through the crowd and they did not throw him off the cliff because his time was not up. Okay, so this act of baptism... If you look at the diagram, when John the Baptist placed his hand on Jesus to, be placed, to place him under in the water, it is as though the sins of Israel was transferred to him and buried with him in the waters. And in the new covenant, when we get baptized, the believer is raised to newness of life, Jesus coming out of water. And after that, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So this is the act of the scapegoat when John the Baptist placed his hand on Jesus. 
it was a transference of Israel's sins to Jesus. So let's read Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 together. On the screen, Matthew chapter 3, next slide. Okay, ready? One, two, three. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. Jesus' baptism saw the coming together of God the Father, uh, the Holy Trinity rather, that is the Son being baptized, the audible voice of approval from Father God, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit alighting on Jesus as a dove. Just as Father God called Jesus my beloved Son, Jesus through His sacrificial act has qualified all of us to be accepted in the beloved to the praise of His grace. Ephesians 1 verse 6. So why is the Holy Spirit depicted as a dove? Why not an eagle or a raven or a crow or a sparrow? Why a dove? Yeah. So um, there are many, many suggestions in the Bible, but I believe that the dove, which is actually poor man's sacrifice. Remember Jesus' background? He was actually... Uh, a carpenter's son, and he does not come from a rich family. The rich will offer a sacrifice of bull, goats, you know, lamb. But in Jesus' case, he came from not a well-to-do. Uh, and, and for the poor, they either sacrifice pigeons or doves. Okay? So it's a poor man's sacrifice, and it is also an emblem of purity and innocence. The Bible says, be wise as serpent, be as innocent as dove. Okay? And when the flood, the great flood, when Noah let off the dove, it came back with an olive branch, which is a symbol of peace. And even the United Nations used that, you know, dove with the olive branch in its beak. And this dove coming and alighting on Jesus it's a symbol that God is bringing the good news of reconciliation. Yeah, this is like God is telling the world that my son will be bringing the message of reconciliation. He will be bringing the message of peace. And it is God's approval on Jesus that he will be the one who will bring peace. Hallelujah. So let's read aloud. We are God's beloved, just as Jesus is God's beloved son. One more time. We are God's beloved, just as Jesus is God's beloved son. So church, you are God's beloved. So if you have insomnia, you cannot sleep, the Bible says he gives his beloved sleep. So you are God's beloved. Your insomnia will be healed in Jesus' name because you are God's beloved. If you have depression, say to Satan, I am God's beloved. Be gone, Satan. Depression, be gone. You are God's beloved. Let no one tell you otherwise because you are truly God's beloved because of what Jesus has done for you. So what is our response? Can I have the worship team up? What is our response? Okay, through, though, Jesus, though John's baptism was unto repentance for the forgiveness of sins, in Matthew 3 verse 11, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, it ushered in the new covenant. Hebrews 9 verse 15 to 17, and the baptism that Jesus commanded in the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This took precedence over John's baptism. John's baptism was only for a period of time. 
And after that, it is this commandment that Jesus commanded that we be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So what is our response? Let's read this verse together. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, 1, 2. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, we Christians, sometimes we tend to complicate matters. And this verse is so clear. What must we do? Repent. Be baptized. Every one of you. You know, sometimes we tend to ask, you know, uh, when does the Holy Spirit come? Uh, is it the point I say the sinner's prayer? Is it the point when I get baptized? If I don't baptize, will I be safe? You know, we tend to ask so many questions. And to answer all your questions, uh, the thief who was hanging beside Jesus, did he have time to come down to be baptized? No. But what did Jesus say? Today, you will be with me in paradise. But why do we need to be baptized? And the next slide, you know, this is David Pawson, and he wrote this book, The Normal Christian Birth. So if you want to be born normally as a Christian, these are the four steps you need to do. Repent of your sins towards God. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be baptized in water. Receive the Holy Spirit. So our response, repent of your sins towards God. Acts chapter 3 verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And in 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Next, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 16, 31, they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And Acts 4, 12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Next step, be baptized in water. Ephesians 4 verse 4 to 6, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And in Galatians 3, 26, 27, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. So the way to be in Christ is to be baptized into Christ. Okay, a bit of advertisement. Okay, there will be a water baptism coming soon, which is on the 30th of March, 1 to 2 p.m. So if you are not baptized yet, may I encourage you, please sign up for this water baptism. Okay, and the next step, receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 19 verse 5 to 6. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Romans 8 verse 9 to 11, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone who does have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. So friends, it is a very simple process. So, oh, another advertisement. 
So our dear senior pastor, Pastor Chiu, will be holding a baptism of the Holy Spirit seminar. It's the same day as the water baptism, also 30th of March, and it is from 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. So you come for the baptism of the Holy Spirit seminar, and after that, you go for your water baptism. Okay, so you receive the Spirit first, then water baptized. Okay, so register online. So dear friends, you have heard so much about what the Lord has done for us. So in conclusion, let's read this aloud together. This is truly one of my favorite verses. Let's read aloud. One, two, three. For if by the trespass of the one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more? Will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? The way has been prepared by John the Baptist for the coming of Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus also made the way, and in fact, He opened the way for us to come back to the Father. Will you come back to the Father? Will you repent? Will you believe in our Lord Jesus Christ? Will you be water baptized and receive this gift of His Holy Spirit? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your total obedience to God's calling upon your life. We thank you that truly you have answered your Father's mission for you, that you went all the way to the cross and you died for our sins. We thank you, Jesus, that you humble yourself even to be baptized by John the Baptist. And I pray, Lord, for each and every one of us here who have yet to be baptized through water baptism or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that you help us to come to that defining decision that we will want to obey you, that we will want to be obedient to you. Separate us now with your blessing, and I pray, Lord, that next week will truly be a wonderful week for all of us. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah.